Hola and welcome to Catholic View. I'm Sheila Beach. Thank you so much for joining me this Tuesday evening. Coming up in today's broadcast, we'll be taking a look at World Refugee Day. But for now, do stay with me as I'm about to bring you up to date with some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. So do stay tuned. Hi, I'm Archbishop Peter Wells, Apostolic Nuncio. Thank you for listening to Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. In your headlines this Tuesday evening, Ecumenical Statement for World Refugee Day, SACPC Caritas Workshop, and Central African Republic signs a church-mediated peace accord. Good evening once again, I'm Sheila Pirish. In 2016, the Catholic Bishops of Southern Africa, the SACBC, made a resolution to establish Caritas desks in all of the dioceses within the region. This week, Caritas Internationalis, bishops, clergy and representatives from the SACBC region are gathered in Pretoria for a week-long workshop. SACBC Associate Secretary-General Father Patrick Rakiketsi is responsible for the establishment of Caritas in the region. In, in 2014, uh, the bishops made their ad limina to, to the Holy Father, at which um, they uh, reflected upon uh, the, the charity as the basics of the reaching out uh, for evangelization within the whole church. And therefore, with that, uh, they saw it fit to establish Caritas, especially because uh, Pope Benedict uh, um, had written that uh, famous encyclical on love. He had also written a letter also on how the, this love can be established and the nature of love within the church. And they came back from uh, that ad limina with the purpose of saying to reach out uh, for a better evangelization, we will also need as an ordered uh, service of, of charity and love to establish caritas uh, within our church. Uh, these did not mean that they are not doing charity. Uh, in fact, what the bishops are saying is that all the projects of charity and outreach in the, all the dioceses should actually be uh, based on caritas. And that's the purpose of doing this. What we are going to see from here is that the Caritas is going to be an umbrella uh, body uh, taking all the works which are happening in all our dioceses from uh, now on. Caritas is based on the love and the, uh, and the, and the reach out of, of the love. is based on the biblical values and the gospel values of how to make the dignity of the people to look better. In one sense, it may mean that uh, the dignity of the people may be brought by some employment, some job creation, but at the moment we are basing ourselves on three values, to bring charity to the people, to, uh, uh, to establish an ordered uh, service of charity. In other words, the, uh, the service in, 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 in the biblical sense of the aconia, how do we reach out? 
And also, we want to make sure that uh, the work of charity is uh, interlinked with the expression of our liturgy. So the worship has to be within uh, the moment of charity. So we are going to reach children. We are going to reach out to sodalities. We are going to reach out to the uh, common people, even outside of our church, who are uh, who, who are in need of uh, the reach out of love. And so uh, just a small piece, a small percentage may mean uh, employment, may mean job creation, but that's not our focus. In fact, up to so far, we haven't talked about money at all. There's no money. We don't, we don't talk about employment. People are just talking about the dignity of a human being. Now, so far during this workshop, what have been uh, some of the highlights in terms of the training for the people that will be heading these uh, desks in the different uh, dioceses? The very first highlight, if I may tell you, is that um, we have the bishop uh, who is a liaison bishop of Caritas, Bishop Duncan Soke, uh, who is um, in, in interacting with uh, Caritas Internationalis on this uh, workshop. At the moment, we also today, we had a visit by the Bishop of Rustenburg, who is well known for his uh, outreach programs of charity uh, in his diocese. And he has been in contact all the time with Caritas for many years. So he took an interest in coming and seeing uh, how the participants are doing. We have 40 participants in all the dioceses uh, at the moment, um, including priests. We have uh, 10 priests here. We have uh, about five religious uh, sisters here. And uh, the lay people uh, who are working in the in, in different projects in, in the dioceses. I would say we are missing only about three dioceses which are not here. The rest of our conference is here, including uh, Swaziland and Namibia. And they are also here. And also from Lesotho Conference, we have a representation uh, who is overseeing as well what uh, is uh, happening here compared to what they do in their own conference as well. So these are just the basic highlights that we have at the moment. If you come into the program of what we have done, we have done uh, our sort analysis, looking at uh, the strengths and the weaknesses of the projects which are happening in the dioceses up to so far, and in what way can these now uh, base themselves on the, uh, the modus operandi of Caritas. We still have two more days to go, and in those days, then, we are going to see where do we go from here. The big question is core bodies uh, um, uh, from here. How will the Caritas now find itself uh, being established in all the dioceses? How soon now are you likely to see this project uh, taking place? The resolution of the bishops uh, says uh, Caritas must be established within a period of three years. So we are going to make intermediate steps uh, of uh, reaching this uh, goal in the next three years. So by the end of this workshop, we will be uh, making short-term targets. In other words, in the next six months, in the next year, what happens? And then obviously then in the second year, what happens? And by the third year, when we uh, bring the big report to the plenary of the bishops, we will be saying we have now uh, completed the mandate of the resolution and this is going to happen. So we have short-term targets, we have long-term targets in the next three years.
Pope Francis made his second visit to Rome's Cathedral St. John Lateran in as many days on Monday evening to open the Diocese of Rome's annual pastoral conference. During his visit, the Holy Father met with a group of refugees who have been hosted by Roman parishes. Thirty-eight communities responded to the Pope's 2015 appeal for parishes to do their part by hosting persons fleeing war and poverty. Opening the conference, Pope Francis spoke about its theme of helping parents to educate their teenage children. Vatican Radio's Linda Bodoni has more. Pope Francis opened Rome's annual diocesan meeting on Monday evening with a reflection on how to accompany parents in educating their adolescent children. Offering several assumptions, the Bishop of Rome invited the city's pastors to think, in the Roman dialect that is, with the faces of their flocks fixed in their minds. Family life and the education of adolescents in a big metropolis like this, he said, requires particular attention. The complexity of the capital does not admit of reductive syntheses, but stimulates us to think in the form of a polyhedron in which every neighbourhood finds its own echo in the diocese. Pope Francis then reflected on the modern experience of being uprooted. He said an uprooted society or uprooted family is a family without a history, memory or roots. For this reason, one of the first things we must think about is how to provide roots and relationships and how to promote a vital network to allow them to feel at home. In conclusion, the Pope said one of the greatest threats to the education of teenagers is the idea of eternal youth. He said that when adults want to stay young and young people want to be adults, there's a hidden risk of leaving them out of their own growth processes because their parents have taken their place. This, the Pope said, deprives teenagers of an experience of confrontation necessary for growth into adulthood. In other African news, the government of the Central African Republic and 13 of the 14 armed groups in the country on Monday signed an accord aimed at ending an ethnic and religious conflict that has killed thousands of people. The deal, which was mediated by the Roman Catholic Sant'Egidio Peace Group and signed at their headquarters in Rome, calls for an immediate end to hostilities and recognition of the results of last year's presidential elections. The country has been plagued by interreligious and intercommunal conflict since 2013, when the mainly Muslim Seleka rebels seized powers, prompting reprisals from the anti-Balaka militia, many of whose fighters are normally Christian. They are encouraging signs that the truth about past human rights violations in the Gambia will come to light. That's the view of a group of UN experts who have just concluded a visit to the country, where a peaceful transfer of power took place last January, following weeks of political crisis. Matthew Wells reports from UN News. Experts from the UN Working Group on Enforced or Involuntary Disappearances said that they welcomed the commitments made by the government of President Adama Barrow to embark on comprehensive reforms, including measures to ensure truth, 
justice and reparations for victims. They said they'd heard deeply saddening stories from families of some of those who disappeared under the former president's rule. Families need to be fully involved in the process moving forward to ensure that there is no recurrence of disappearances in the future, added the experts. The delegation welcomed plans for a Truth and Reconciliation Commission as part of the transitional justice process. In Sudan's restive Darfur region, some 4,000 displaced people are now living under trees following a deadly fire which destroyed the camp they were living in. The incident occurred earlier this month at the Koma camp located some 80 kilometers from El Fasha, the capital of North Darfur state, and home to the headquarters of the hybrid African Union-UN assistance mission in Darfur. Jumbe Omari Jumbe accompanied UN officials who traveled to the site and filed this report. Looking down from up here inside the helicopter, I can see the remnants of the Korma camp for the displaced persons. The camp has been reduced to a pile of rubble, ashes and smoldering wood. Some 1,000 families were living here. They are now living outside under the open sky and under the shades of desert shrubs. The fire caused great losses. 1,000 families, making more than 4,000 individuals, have been affected. We need an instant help. It is a tragedy. People have no shelter, food or water. Though UNAMID and other humanitarian organizations are helping, we need more assistance. People live on the open skies. Children are particularly suffering terribly. There is a possibility of an outbreak of diseases. That is the voice of Bashar Ahmad, leader of the camp's fire committee. Later on, I caught up with the head of UNAMID, Mr. Mamabolo, and asked him, based on what he has witnessed, what were the priorities in terms of needs? To come here, that was the main objective, to, to be in solidarity with them, to convey our condolences, and to sympathize with the tragedy that has happened to them. And uh, to see... Uh, so that we can have a first-hand experience of what actually occurred and it's been devastating. Uh, we went around and it's tragic. It's uh, unimaginable indeed that people live in conditions which they do, the environment itself, the weather, everything, very difficult and to have this strategy. But, but as I was saying in my speech, that the biggest solution to this problem is a solution to the conflict itself. And so I think a situation seems like this pushes us even more to try and see how and what needs to be done by the international community, by the government of Sudan, by the people of Sudan, to resolve once and foremost these problems that create these conditions conditions of perpetual suffering of the people. Yes, but that, that's a long-term solution. Now, in any emergency situation, which this is an emergency situation, uh, you cannot really do enough. And people have well, high hopes on UNAMID. I hope you can manage the expectations of the people here in which way. 
Well, listen, we can do the best we can with expectations. We have come here not just as UNAMIT. We came as UN family. And as you can see, we have come with a whole lot of relief, supplies, food, clothing, and so on. It may not still be enough. But I think what this incident has done has also attracted more focus by the international community. UNAMIT's head of mission, Ambassador Kingsley Mamabolo. On to international news. Today is World Refugee Day, and the United Nations says a record high of 65.5 million people have been forced from their homes, nearly 22.5 million refugees, over half of which are under the age of 18. To mark the occasion, Jesuit Refugee Service joined forces with other faith-based organizations and released an ecumenical statement entitled Refugees, an Opportunity to Grow Together. Jesuit Father Alosios Moe, International Director of Advocacy and Communications for JRC, told Linda Bodoni of Vatican Radio that as Christians, faith is authentic only if it is expressed in loving action and solidarity. For World Refugee Day, the message we want to emphasize over and over again is that there is a fundamental solidarity of being human here. We are all connected to one another and therefore this idea of welcoming or protecting or promoting and of integrating people, we are saying that if we call ourselves Christians, then this is not just an optional extra. It's at the very heart of who we are as Christians. Refugee issues are in the papers every day of the year. Why is a day such as this significant? It's significant because it is so easy for us to look at the headlines and it just becomes another newspaper headline. The reality of the displaced in the world, and we know the numbers, I mean, the numbers are massive. It's almost incomprehensible to think that in 2015 there were 65 million displaced people, that there were 21 million refugees. And of those 21 million refugees... The UN tells us that more than half were children under the age of 18. And for those of us who are in stable situations, that situation can seem to us to be just another one of the very big messes in the world. World Refugee Day reminds us, and I think in particular I want to emphasize this this year, we have in the world today more than 10 million refugee children. A significant number of them are unaccompanied. And I think World Refugee Day is saying to us, take a pause. Let's go beyond the headlines. And beyond the headlines, we have the reality of people, real people, who are really, really no different from you or from me. And finally, a film featuring Syrian refugees that's inspired by their harrowing experiences as well as lighter moments shows how successfully integrating them is possible with a little compassion. No Monsters in Berlin tells the story of an Indian immigrant in the German city who forges a bond with a Syrian journalist forced to flee his country's conflict. The award-winning feature was presented on the sidelines of a global debate on migration at the UN in Geneva in partnership with the UN Together Campaign Against Xenophobia and Discrimination. Co-writer and film star Mala Gedia tells us more about the film's key message. 
This particular film is not telling the story about refugees, it's telling their story with them. So the stories that were inspired are true stories and the cast and crew are Syrians. So it gives an authentic voice and a personalised, intimate voice. And I feel personally that intimacy is the step towards compassion and acceptance. I think we're in a rocky state of mind globally. You know, 2016 wasn't a great year politically. A lot of fear was instigated into people. But I feel like there are a lot of people who are working very hard to create integration, acceptance, compassion, and, you know, love wins. Hashtag love wins. So that's something that I subscribe to. Uh, we're currently writing the feature film for this story, so there will be more stories involved, more characters involved, looking into other characters that come from other areas of conflict. And just sharing, sharing the film as widely as possible is, is just our little way of changing the world. And that was a quick look at some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. And you're still listening to Catholic View on Radio Veritas, and I'm Shayla Pirsch. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Coming up next, it's our feature program. Today, we focus on World Refugee Day. To mark this year's World Refugee Day, the Jesuit Refugee Service, JRS, and Entry Kulturesh has launched Education Opens the World, a campaign advocating for educational access for refugees and displaced people around the world, a fundamental right they are too often deprived of because of their displacement. One of the speakers at the event taking place in Spain is 25-year-old Dr. Mirel Tuayigira, who together with other family members fled Rwanda soon after her father was killed during the 1994 genocide. In their search for shelter in various refugee camps in countries like the DRC and Angola, Dr. Twayigira lost her mother and was left with her grandfather, who also died in 2007. And then eventually she was adopted by her uncle in Malawi, where they were granted citizenship. In spite of the challenges she faced, she excelled in education and won Malawi's Zodiac Best Girl Award scholarship to study medicine abroad. Dr. Mariel Tayigira graduated as a medical doctor at the age of 24. Today, she talks to us about Education Opens the World, an initiative by the Jesuit Refugee Service and Entre Culturas. That education, you know, it's it, it, that one tool that can transform your life because it has transformed mine. And that, you know, we, we have not only educate, education for refugees, but even for the young people because it, 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 it makes us open-minded and, you know, opens our world and, you know, makes us realize, you know, what is going on around us. And so education is that one tool. Today, of course, it's World Refugee Day. What does this day yes. mean to you? I've, I've, I've been a, a refugee almost, I don't know if I will still have my, my life, because something that has taught me any lessons 
being a refugee has meant a lot. And I've learned a lot from, from that. Life lessons that even today, you know, like being able to to survive in any situation. So, yeah, it's World Refugees Day uh, to me is a day where we, we're acknowledging refugees all over the world and whatever they go through. And for me, uh, being a refugee, having been a refugee, it taught me a lot of lessons in life, a lot of lessons, like being able to cope with anything, you know, being content with what I have. So today I'm, I'm, I'm celebrating not with, with everyone who is acknowledging refugees and what they go through, celebrating with them and also realizing that being that, being in that state, it meant a lot in my life and it Now let's talk about the plight of migrants and refugees, of young people crossing the Mediterranean in hope of a better future in Europe. How do you feel about these young people that decide to leave their home countries and take such high risks, you know, crossing the Mediterranean, and most of them die trying to do that? How do you feel about this? And if you could speak to them, what would you say to them? Well, many people leave their countries, you know, for different reasons. Most of them is because, you know, there's war in their countries. A lot of them, actually. Some of them is because they're in, in search of a better life somewhere. And all I would want to tell them that is that, you know, they're taking chances. And I, I, I just want to tell them to, you know, to keep dreaming, to, to keep dreaming because there's a, there's a bright future for them. Now, um, for those who are leaving, you know, their countries in search of a better life, I would, I would, I would say that, you know, you can make life anywhere. You can make it work anywhere you are. Wherever you are, if you work as hard as you can, I think you can make it anywhere you are. But the main message um, um, I want to, to get across to is, is that they should keep dreaming and know that, you know, the future is bright for them. Teenage refugee from Syria and youngest goodwill ambassador with the UN's children's agency UNICEF, 19-year-old Muzun Almelehan, says education is critical in order to change the world. I'm so proud to become a UNICEF goodwill ambassador and gives me a special platform to help the children around the world, to give them hope and to help those living in emergencies and abroad by war and conflict. And I'm so excited for everything I will do with UNICEF in the future. What kept me uh, going, actually, that because I believe by education we can do anything we want and we can change our difficult situation. Also, we can face the challenges by education. And one the most importantly, that we can rebuild our countries. So I cannot accept to be nothing in this world. I cannot be without hope and to feel hopeless. 
I wish to do as much as I can. And one of the things I will do, I will try to travel with UNICEF around the world to meet the children and to listen to them, to their difficulties, and try my best to tell the world about them. For example, next month I'm going to uh, Hamburg uh, to uh, represent UNICEF in G20, which is a wonderful opportunity to be there, to try to urge the uh, world leaders and speak to the people who could help us as refugees. I would love to tell them that refugees are a normal people. People didn't uh, want to flee their homes, but the hard situation and difficult circumstances that forced them to become refugees, and the majority of uh, refugees are children. So we have to stand with them and to give them opportunities, of course, to give them uh, education. And we need those children uh, to rebuild their countries again. When posed with the question as to what one is expected to observe on this World Refugee Day, the permanent delegate to the United Nations Dominican Father Mike Deeb echoed the same sentiments as those of Pope Francis. Welcome, protect, promote and integrate. The focus on World Refugee Day is something that was initiated by the Jesuit Refugee Services and it's just uh, many organizations coming together to, to try and promote the rights of refugees and to promote a more uh, compassionate response to them and to stop seeing them as a huge burden and a problem, but to see them as our responsibility and how we can integrate them and how we can use the many skills that many of them are bringing to help develop local countries that they come to and how, um, but even those who don't have those skills, how can we help them to integrate and just from a, just a, a Christian perspective um, or human perspective to accept people coming in. So we try and, even though everyone here is talking about security issues and they're talking about their own the country's economic development, which may be hampered by the influx of all these refugees and they've got to take that into account. And, um, clearly, we can't totally discount all those issues, but there are ways to deal with them in a way that they, they're not going to have such a negative impact. And um, and there are many positive impacts that they can have that are not being acknowledged at all because there's so many myths around the problem, as they call it, of refugees that people are not um, open to or looking at the, the positive dimension of of uh, people from other countries coming in. Of course, if we talk about migrants, Maybe it's, it's easy to talk about um, you know, people coming in with skills, etc. But refugees, they are people who have no choice, and they they left because uh, the, the, even the dangerous part of leaving their country and going to places where they may not welcome um, that's even been more a better option for them than staying back home. And uh, and if, if people are in that sort of situation. The rest of us have an absolute moral responsibility to to accept such people and to find ways to assist them. So we're trying to develop that sort of consciousness. But of course, most countries don't think in those sorts of terms, even though their rhetoric does go around that way. But they're all concerned about their own local situation. If if these people come in or seem to be a a threat to any sort of... um, disruption of their life as uh, refugees inevitably will disrupt our lives if they come into a place of different culture, different 
um, different situation completely. Um, we have to be aware of that, and, and we've got to open our hearts to that. And that's what the whole focus of this thing is. I must say that the joint ecumenical statement for World Refugee Day 2017 is very enlightening. But then, how do you pass on such a message to non-believers? Well, I suppose that's what we do in the UN context. Of course, one can't use religious language or that type of thing in this context. Um, yeah, we are appealing just to the facts of the issue to just destroy the myth that exists about them, to be highlighting the positive things. We're also the highlighting the, the issue of rights. You know, the issue of human rights is is a universally accepted thing. Now, even though many countries are trying to run away from it, if you talk about human rights, um, you know, you don't have to be religious to accept that, even though it's fundamental to our own faith and our understanding of God who recognizes each person as unique and uh, an image of God. Um, but the others don't have to use that sort of language to know that every person has human rights. And, and that's at the heart of the, the UN Charter on Human Rights and that everyone is supposedly signed on to, even though we know that, that many don't really believe in that. So we have to be using those types of um, uh, precedents or documents or agreements that have taken place over the last 70 years to um, to try and get people to see that the actions which are denying people their rights are you know, unacceptable. But at the same time, we have to be trying to promote a more compassionate response. But if we remain only at a, a legal level, you know, people will always find a, a loophole there. So we have to start appealing to at other levels too, and which is difficult in this sort of context because no one likes talking emotionally about <laughs> things. But um, but that's, to answer your question, you know, we we have enough uh, global norms that we can use to promote that. You have been listening to Catholic View feature program on World Refugee Day. My thanks goes there to Dr. Mariel Twayegera and Father Mike Deeb, the permanent delegate to the United Nations for the Dominican Order of Preachers. And that brings me up to time. This has been your Tuesday's edition of Catholic View, a program produced and presented by Sheila Pirsch for Radio Veritas. Should you wish to get in touch with me, feel free to send me an email, Shayla at radioveritas.co.za. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back again tomorrow evening at the same time. Until then, God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Shayla.